Thank you, Rabbi Zwickler, Vishus Rav Maradasra. My, my opening line that, that, that I prepared for tonight's presentation was about the, the timeliness of, of tonight's topic. I'm, I'm not sure whether or not, uh, given what time we're getting started, whether or not I, I can still uh, sell that line. But uh, be that as it may, in, in, in the time now, as we prepare for Kabbalah Satora, the truth is that there is, there is no topic more, more germane or, or more timely than, than that of parenting. The Torah says in Pashas Vashanan, Raki Shome Lecho Ushmo Nafshecha Ma'od, Pantishkacha Tzadvam Asherol Einachol Fenyasu Muvavcha Kol Yemecha Yecha, Vahodatam Levanacha Vilevnei Vanacha. The Torah says, Raki Shome Lecho Ushmo Nafshecha, Chazal tell us, that wherever the Torah uses this, this type of phraseology of Hisham uh, that it indicates a mitzvah losasei. So the Torah says it's a mitzvah losasei to forget Ma'amad Hasinai. To forget the, the, the giving of the Torah at Hasinai is, uh, constitutes, in the opinion of the Ramban, one of the 613 mitzvahs. And the Ramban uh, criticizes the Rambam. Why didn't the Rambam include this in his enumeration of Tayyag? Now that possible which which mandates remembering the the event and the experience of Kabbalah Satora concludes that the purpose of, of memory is to transmit memory to future generations and in particular most directly to one's children and grandchildren the next passage continues the day when we stood before HaKadosh Baruch Hu at HaSinai the reason for this is that Kabbalah Santora, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu established a bris with us, that bris, that covenant, was not established with individuals. HaKadosh Baruch Hu offered the Torah and bestowed the Torah to a people, to a nation. HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't give the Torah to 600,000 plus Individuals, Kaddish Baruch Hu gave it to Kal Yisrael. Kal Yisrael only continues to exist. There's only a continuity to Kal Yisrael when each generation transmits to the next generation the experience of Hasinai as well as the content of Torah. So reflecting on parenting is very, very timely. Moreover, the Torah says in Pashas Vayera, when Kaddish Baruch Hu is about to to destroy Stone Vamora, so Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, "I can't proceed with the destruction of Stone Vamora with any part of Eretz Yisrael without first giving Avram Avinu advance notice. Why is it? Why does Hakadosh Baruch Hu feel obligated to to inform Avram Avinu of the pending destruction of Stone Vamora?" So the pasuk says, "Ki yedativ." This is Hakadosh Baruch Hu speaking. Ki yedativ. What does Kiyadativ mean? So we generally translate Kiyadativ as, as I, I know, I, I know him. Rashi says that in this context it's a Lashem Chiba. I, I love him, I cherish him, I treasure him. The Ramban disagrees, the Ramban says that he thinks that the real Pshat <coughs> In, in, in Kiyadativ is that I exercise a special Hashkocha Pratis. I exercise a special measure of divine providence over Avam Avinu. And why is that? Whether the Pasuk continues, whether we, whether we understand the initial words according to Rashi or according to the Ramban, the Pasuk continues, Lamana Here again there's a dispute between Rashi and Unkelis whether Laman is because or whether Laman is in order that. Is it referring to what Avram Avinu's conduct in the past? Because Avram Avinu transmits, he charges that, that not only not only does he serve me, not only does he does he does he affirm belief in me, but Avram Avinu takes it upon himself to transmit that, to charge, to give it savor to his children, to his household, that they will continue in his footsteps after him. Or Hakadosh Baruch Hu says the reason the reason I have this special relationship in Avraham Avinu is not necessarily by virtue of things in the past, but looking forward because I know in order that Laman in order that that he will that he will do it. Either way, Avraham Avinu 
enjoys this special, unique status because he assumes, basically what it boils down to is because Avraham Avinu assumed the responsibility of parenting. Kiyadativ. That the Meshachachma, the, 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 the famous Gaon of, of Dvinsk, who lived the end of the 19th, the, the, the beginning of the 20th century, says it's this Pasuk, which is basically the source in the Torah for the Mitzvah of Chinuch. Chazal referred to the formal obligation, if now it's time to daven, to tell your child, right now, it's time to daven Shachris, it's time to daven Mincha, that narrow application is only a, is only a Durabon and Dikah obligation, it's only a rabbinic obligation. But the general thrust of, of Chinuch to raise children that they should continue in the way of Torah, in the way of Yiddishkeit, there's a mitzvah daraisa, and, and, and the Meshachachmer, the Meir Simcha says, the source for that mitzvah daraisa is from this passage of Kiyadativ, Lamana Sheyitzave. The, the, the Mishnah in, in, in Gitan tells us that the mitzvah of, of Piriyavarivyat, the mitzvah of procreation, is a mitzvah rabbah. That it stands out, even though generally we don't really rank mitzvahs, but the mitzvah of is singled out. That, that it's, it's a mitzvah rabbah. It's a mitzvah of, of tremendous importance. For instance, if one owns a Sefer Torah, so the, the Gemara in Megillah says that a Sefer Torah can only be sold for one of two reasons. Either it's Lilmo Torah, either it's to facilitate Talmud Torah. If a person needs to, to be able to support himself while learning Torah, or, or to pay, uh, to pay uh, tuition or something, Lilmo Torah, and Lisa Isha, and also to facilitate his getting married for the sake of fulfilling the mitzvah of period of Arivia. Now the Gemara at the end of the third paragraph of Abbasah tells us, that in the time of the Roman persecution, so the Tanoim said that Dinhu from the time that Pashta Malchus Harashal Yisrael, from the time that the Roman Empire has spread its, its, its tentacles and, and has B'nai Yisrael in its iron grip, Dinhu but really, because of due to Roman persecution and the inability to raise our children properly, they don't even allow us to be mal the, 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 the boys. They certainly don't allow us to, to educate them properly. So Dinhu, really, the proper response would have been Chazal should have made a takana. Chazal should have should have instituted that we not that that, that, that we not get married and not have children. So Tosus raises the question, what do you mean? There's a mitzvah in the Torah of Peri Vivian. There's a mitzvah of, of Peri Vivian. Tosus says, Shema, maybe what the Gemara means is that after having had, having fulfilled the minimal obligation of Peri Vivian, after having a, a son and a daughter so that the, that, that the most basic obligation of Peri Vivian is fulfilled, maybe that's what the Gemara means. But Tosus says, Shema, it doesn't really sound like that because what the, because the, the, the wording of the Gemara says is had we introduced such a takana, so then the Jewish people would have gone into oblivion. But the seed of, of Avraham Avinu would, would have come to an end. So it doesn't sound like the Gemara would have made an exception. The Gemara says the only reason such a gzera was not introduced was because it was Ein The Chazal only introduced gzeras. Chazal only make decrees that they estimate that uh, the majority of the Jewish people can adhere to. Chazal don't introduce decrees which, uh, which are just untenable, which we won't be able to live up to. And that's the only reason they didn't introduce it. But how could they have interfered with the mitzvah of Arivia? So the alternative to Tosis' answer, and this must be what Tosis is considering, this is the alternative to the Shema, is that we're not going to fulfill the mitzvah of Arivia anyway. To have children and let the children be hefker. To have children and not raise them properly so we wouldn't be mekayim the mitzvah periviviviv anyway. So that's what Tosis is saying. That's why the Gemara can be taken at face value. That under circumstances where one anticipates that one isn't going to be able to raise the children properly, so you can't ask, aye, but isn't there a mitzvah periviviviviv? No, the mitzvah periviviviviv doesn't just refer to something biological. Ultimately, it's something spiritual. It means to, to, to bring the children into the world, but then to 
to raise them, to set them on a certain path, to transmit Amasara to them. That's part of the, the mitzvah of Piruvarivya. It's against this background that the Gemara in, in Brachos should be understood. The Gemara in Brachos. tells a story which, which it reconstructs on the Psukim and Navi that Chizkiyo HaMelech, the, the righteous king, what was given a... took, took sick he was, he was very sick on, on his deathbed Yeshayel comes and, and delivers a Nebuah to him, to him and tells him that he's going to die and and, uh, and 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 he intimates to him that not only is he going to die in Olam Hazah, he's going to die in Olam Haba as well. He's not going to have a chelik in Olam Haba. Chizkiyah says, "What did I? What did I do to to deserve such a such a harsh decree, such a harsh fate?" So the answer is, "Mishum because he didn't you didn't make an attempt to have children. So Chizkiya says, well, the only reason I abstained from trying to have children is because Rishim the Chazay, I saw with Ruach HaKodesh, the Nafka Minoi, Ban in the Lomale. I saw with Ruach HaKodesh that I was going to have descendants, Menashe, who would be Rishayim. So that's why I abstained from Perivarivya. So Yeshayahu answered him, Bahadik Havshay the Rahman the Lomalach, Maid the Ifkidus, Ibai Lach Lemavad, Umaid the Nicha, so, so Yeshayahu answers Chizkiyahu that you can't decide things based on Ruach HaKodesh. Ruach HaKodesh, that type of inside information, you can't trade on. You're not supposed to be making decisions based on Ruach HaKodesh. You have a mitzvah periviviviv, you have to fulfill that mitzvah periviviviv. If you'll do your utmost to raise your children and see to it that your future generations go on the right path and it won't work, that's not, that's not your, that's not not your responsibility. But it seems clear that what Chizkiyahu is saying, I wasn't neglecting Perivarivya because there is no mitzvah Perivarivya just to have children without raising the children, without steering them on the right path. And Yeshayahu didn't dispute that halachic point. What Yeshayahu disputed is that you can't, you can't integrate into a halachic discussion what you know based on Ruach HaKodesh. That's not, that's not pertinent to a halachic discussion. And that's why Chizkiyahu was, was faulted for not engaging in Perivarivya. Ultimately, Chizkiyahu hears the Nevoah, so then he, he, he's Chazav Etshuva, he has children, but you see again that the mitzvah of Perivarivya, again, is not simply to have the children, not simply to bring the children into the world, but to raise the children as well. It's against that background that that's why there is some... There are some, the, the, the Otsa Poskim and Evan Ezek quotes that there are some Achronim who take very literally the, the Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, Rashi quotes in the beginning of Pasha's by Midbar. The Torah says, Ve'ele told us Moshe Aaron. The Torah says uh, that we're about to give you a list of the children of Aaron and Moshe, and then the Torah only lists the children of Aaron. So the Gemara in Sanhedrin says, so then how can you introduce the list as saying these are the children of Moshe and Aaron? So the Gemara derives from here, the the one who teaches his friend's son Torah, so the, it's considered as if he had fathered this child. If you teach, if you teach a child Torah, so then Torah considers it's as if you fathered the child. Not only his biological father, but it's as if the teacher, it's as if the Rebbe fathered the child as well. Some poskim take this very literally. They, they see it not just as an agadic statement uh, underscoring the, the importance and the significance of teaching Torah, but even halachically they say that that, that, that would constitute a fulfillment of the mitzvah Perivarivya. And and uh, al-Islan, one who is unable to have uh, to have children, would be able to fulfill the mitzvah through this through this medium. How is that even how is that possible to, to consider that, that this statement should be understood even as something with halachic import as well? Well, it, it can occur to someone, again, it remains uh, certainly very very debatable but it can occur it, it can only occur to someone against the background that the mitzvah of isn't just defined in terms of having the children but the mitzvah of is defined in terms of raising the children in terms of transmitting a masora to, to the children so clearly what we're talking about the mitzvah of parenting whether we look to the pasuk of a hodatim 
whether we look to the Pasuk of Lamana Sheyitzava, whether we look to the fact that the period of Arivia stands out as such an important mitzvah, parenting is one of the most central and seminal obligations that a Jew has. Aga, parenthetically, even within the midst of Talmud Torah, Talmud Torah can get Kulam. So Reb Chaim infers from the Rambam, when you open up the Rambam, Selchus Talmud Torah, you see something very interesting. You see that the things seem to be inverted. The Rambam opens Selchus Talmud Torah not describing the mitzvah of learning Torah, but the Rambam describes teaching Torah. The first seven halachos basically concentrate on the mitzvah of teaching Torah, and then only afterwards the Rambam talks about learning Torah. Now obviously, chronologically, it doesn't work that way. First a person learns, and only then is he in a position to teach. So why did the Rambam invert what would seem to be the natural sequence? So Rebbeim answers because the Rambam wants to emphasize that the main fulfillment of Talmud Torah is through teaching. That's the, the main and ultimate fulfillment of Talmud Torah is to teach and to transmit. Secondary to that is the mitzvah of learning. But the main obligation, the primary obligation, is to teach and transmit. Now, within that primary obligation, to teach and transmit, so what's the primary obligation? The primary obligation begins at home. So also within Talmud Torah, again, we see this emphasis on, on parenting. If you ask any any successful person, successful person, let's say in, in the business world, in any in any area, how he manages to 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 accomplish so much, so the, the answer to, to, to the formula is that one has to use one's time efficiently, and and probably the the yisod that's the most basic principle in terms of using one's time efficiently, is that one has to prioritize things which are more important. Have to have to occupy more of our time, and things which are of secondary importance should only be accorded less time. If Talmud Torah, excuse me, if parenting, as we've seen, is so basic and so seminal to to, to Klal Yisrael. To our, to our obligation, so then clearly, clearly common sense dictates that parenting makes a demand of real time. That parenting demands not only quality time, but in terms of quantity as well. That we have to devote significant time and energy to parenting. Now, spending time on, on parenting doesn't only mean, of course it means on its most basic level, that parents, not necessarily both at all times, but parents need to be home. The, 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 the children shouldn't raise themselves with, 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 uh, as latchkey children, that they shouldn't be raised by, uh, by babysitters. Children need to be raised by parents. We, we can't be mechanech, our children, if we're not at home and we're not, we're, not, uh, we're not interacting with them. But spending time with children isn't automatically accomplished just if we're at home. A person can be at home, can be in the same, under, under the same roof with one's children, and then still, still be an absentee parent. Well, let's take a, let's take an example, a case in point. Let's say the Shabbos. So Shabbos often is, is a time when, when we socialize. We'll have uh, another family, another couple over to to share the Shabbos dinner. And often the the, the conversation is not of. Of, of any interest to the children. So what happens is, so while the while the parents, while the adults are, are, are sitting at the table and enjoying each other's company and, and, and conversing about the subjects of mutual interest, so the children sort of they drift. 
They drift from the Shabbos table. So are we home for Shabbos? We're home for Shabbos. Is our being home for Shabbos in, in such a scenario, is it achieving the, the goal of, of spending Shabbos with one's children? Are we taking advantage of the opportunity to be mechanich our children? for an appreciation of Shabbos? Or have we managed to somehow or rather be absentee parents while at home? The Shabbos table should be geared that what happens at the Shabbos table, the, the primary audience shouldn't be the, the, the parents' friends with whom, with whom we're socializing at the Shabbos table. The Shabbos table should be geared to our children. At, at whatever age they are, when when they're very young, okay. So then, obviously, it's gonna it has to be it has to be gauged and, and geared accordingly. But the Shabbos table should center and should be conducted in a way that that the children find interest, that the, the, the children want to be there as opposed to just obviously and naturally drifting away because the whole, the whole tone and tenor and substance of the conversation is totally irrelevant to them and, and, uh, and in no way relates to them. Clearly financial realities impinge and, 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 and it's often the case nowadays that, that families need two salaries to, to get by. But even then, even then, you know, the, the Rav Zichon al-Vrach used to say in a different, well, in a, almost exactly this context, in talking about Chinuch. And he used to talk about the, the daunting task of being mechanich children in schools, that, that even though our schools carry a double program, but nevertheless, we have to, we have to find serious time to, to teach the Limudai Kodesh, to teach Torah, to imbue them with with emunah, and the Rav used to say, I remember hearing this, it, it resonates in my mind, he, he used to say, I don't know if it's possible, could be that it's impossible, but I know that we'll do it because we have to do it. Whether it's possible to do, I, I can't tell you. Maybe logically it's not possible, but I know that we have to do it, there's no alternative. So somehow or rather, somehow or rather, when, when we sit down and, 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 and we plan our, our family finances, so again, often, often, austere realities dictate that yes, we need two salaries to get by. But somehow or rather, we can't solve, we can't solve our financial problems at the cost of being mechanich our children. So what are we, what are we supporting them for? If it's at the cost of being of being there in order to be mechanich them, so is it possible? I don't know if it's possible, but somehow or other we have to do it. Maybe maybe the solution is we need to think creatively. Maybe the solution is that the parents have staggered work schedules. Maybe maybe one parent works from seven to three. And, and, and the other parent works from, uh, from 11 to 7, from 12 to 8. So one's home in the morning for the kids. One is home at night for the kids. Maybe we have to, maybe we have to make a cheshman and nefesh. We have to engage in some introspection in terms of our, our lifestyle. Can we pair expenses? Do we really need as much, as much money as, as we think we need in order to get along? The, the solution may be a different, will be a different one depending upon the individual case, but we have to find a solution. There's no point, there's no point in working hard to support our children financially and, and giving them good clothes to wear and good food to eat if it's at the expense of, of, of nourishing their neshamas. I'd like to read you a couple of lines from the, from the Vilna Gaon commentary on, on Mishle. But by way of introduction, the, the Vilna Gaon's words here are very strong, very strong and very sobering. However, sometimes there is, there is a tendency in, in, in our society, in American society, a very pronounced tendency to try to avoid sobering realities. Let's say the, the, the American culture in which we live 
so doesn't 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 focus at all on on death. Is in denial about about mortality. We, we we glorify and we idolize youth, and and we we ignore mortality. We don't talk about mortality intellectually. We know it, but uh, but experientially, it's not 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 on the radar screen. Why? Because for too many people, it's too uncomfortable a reality to think about. So we react like an ostrich, and 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 we we, we stick our heads in the sand. Now. Clearly, that doesn't change reality. It makes the reality worse. If a person focuses on the reality, so then a person is ready to deal with it, and a person is ready. A person is ready to encounter the reality. If a person ignores it, so then in, in the long run, he he, he makes. The, he makes things bad for himself because he's not going to be prepared to, to deal with it. So what the Vilna Gaon says is, is very strong and very sobering. But if we know it and we live accordingly, so then there's nothing to, there's nothing to be scared about. There's nothing to be worried about. The danger is if we don't know it and we don't live accordingly. The Pasuk in Mishlei, in Kapitol Chavtes, says as follows, Yaser bincha v'inichaka Chastise your son, give him Musa. Give him Musa. Chastise your son, and then he'll let you be tranquil. You'll have tranquility if you give your son Musa. And what's more, he'll even bring, uh, he'll even bring uh, delights to your soul. So why, what does the Pesach mean? So the Vilna Gaon says as follows, If the son, one can substitute daughter in this context, obviously there's no gender distinction being drawn here. Then the father is going to have endless worry. But if he chastises his son, he educates his son. He draws, he draws lines. Then he'll, he'll, have, he'll have rest, he'll have tranquility. Ve'od says that the Vilna Gon, the Yinichaka, the tranquility that a person will, will have if he educates his child properly is not just a question of tranquility in this world. Ve'od Yinichaka min ha'gehenim. V'yitain madanim l'nafshacha. K'mo ma'isa de Rabbi Akiva, the Gemara tells the story, that Rabbi Akiva lomad Torah im ben Rasha. Rabbi Akiva taught Torah to the child, to the son of a, of a wicked individual. V'yitzila min ha'gehenim. And in the merit of, what, of the life that his son was living in this world, the father was spared, was spared, the Gehenim, ultimately, and he was taken out of Gehenim. In the merit of the son, so the parent even entered Gan Eden. Says the Gaon, Ki afilu tzadik im lo ben Russia. If a person is a tzaddik but neglected his child, again, we're not talking about someone who did the utmost, and Afal Pichain Rahman Litzlan, that the child didn't accept and the child went his own way. We're not talking about that. But we're talking about a parent who didn't do the utmost. Ki Afilu Tzadik, he's a tzaddik. In low, with a vav, if he has a ben Russia, says the Gon, Azai Notlin Asomi Gan Eden Gehenim. His rightful place, which seems to be in Gan Hayden, he's taken from there to Gehenim, Leman Yira Yisurei Because it can't be that the, that the son is going to be punished and that the father is going to sit in, in the comfort of, of Gan Hayden. We're talking about an awesome, awesome sense of accountability. And if there's an awesome sense of accountability, clearly that has to be matched on our part by an awesome sense of responsibility. A sense of responsibility for our children. Well, what does that sense of responsibility entail? It entails knowing where our children are. It entails n- knowing what our children are doing. We don't live, and, and uh, Mr. Rosenthal is going to uh, 
is going to enlighten us on this at some length shortly. We don't live in an age of innocence. There's a lot that our children could be doing that they shouldn't be doing. As parents, we have a responsibility to know what our children are doing, where they are, under whose supervision. I want a parent once once told me that when he comes to parent-teacher conferences to ask about how, about how his son, he was talking about a son in this instance, about how his son is doing in yeshiva, he says he never asked the Rebbe how his son is learning. He never asked the Rebbe whether his son is getting a hundred in the Bechinas, whether, whether his son is, uh, is, is, is showing uh, signs of, of flourishing, signs of, of, of great uh, ability. He says the one question that he wants answered is, who are my son's friends? Who is he hanging out with? And if the Rebbe tells him that his son's friends are, are, are good and solid, so then he knows that, that his son's on the right path. And if, and if the Rebbe tells him that the friends are not the best of friends, so then all the hundreds on the Bechinas, that, that doesn't mean anything. I heard another, another very insightful comment from someone once. This was actually in a hesped. A Rav was delivering a hesped. And he was talking about how, how the Nifter had devoted great energy to Chinuch, to educating his children. And he had said, you know, in America, he says, people don't buy a car without test driving the car. Which is reasonable. It's, it's a major expense. It's a major expense, so of course you're not going to put down so much money without doing, without doing the most we can to ascertain whether or not we're getting a, a quality product. He says, but how many of us, so we take the, we, first we go to consumer reports and we read up on the car. Then we go down to the, uh, to, to, to the, to, to the, to, to the car place and then we take it on, on a test drive. How many of us do the same when it comes to sending our children to yeshivas? Well, I mean, no, we just, okay, this is, this is the closest yeshiva, or this is the yeshiva where most people send, but without having any first-hand knowledge about the yeshivas where, which our children attend. What kind of yeshiva is it? What kind of problems exist in the yeshiva? If it's a high school with drinking and with drugs, so is that really the best option for, for my child? Is that the, the environment or the atmosphere in which I want my child to spend four years when he's so susceptible to peer influence and to peer pressure? How many of us know the, the, the inner workings of the yeshivas to which we send our children? Our children's our nitzchis. Our children is, there isn't a more sacred or more... Or more or more important mitzvah that, that we have and yet we take a car on a test drive and our children go this is the local yeshiva everyone sends there so I'll send there also the pasuk we mentioned before the manashi yitzav is bonav there's based on acharav so that or because avam avinu Trains, he instructs his children and his household Acharav. What does Acharav mean? So the simple meaning is that Acharav means that after him, meaning that, that, the, that the next generation should also continue the Shamudar Hashem, to observe the path of Hashem. But Acharav has a second meaning as well. Acharav means following him, in the sense that Avram Avinu, more than anything, taught by example. Avraham Avinu didn't preach, but he taught by example. We have to teach by example, not to preach. That's what it means. Acharav. Lamarashi Yitzhav is one of his base, so Acharav. Avraham Avinu didn't sit and tell Yitzhak Avinu, listen, you got to study Torah. Listen, Yitzhak, you got you to daven. Listen, you have to be Machshav Shabbos. Avraham Avinu, more than anything, taught Acharav. Lamarashi Yitzhav, it was Acharav. Chazal tell us in many contexts, the famous Gemara in Yuvamis, Medjushrav and Pashas Noach, also about... Ben Azai, who extolled the importance of the mitzvah of Piri Verivia, and, they, and, and, and his colleagues said to him, Very nice, you're not a Dorish, but you're not Noah Mekayim. All the preaching in the world 
can't, can't yield results, is not likely to yield results unless it's matched by being Noe Mikaye, unless a person models the lesson, unless a person is, is himself a source of inspiration for the values and, and the lifestyle that he's trying to impart. So if we want to raise our children to learn Torah, they have to see that we learn Torah. If we want to raise our children to be machshiv Torah, to value Torah, the Torah, kihem chayen yameinu, that that is the, not, not that not that it's a value in our life, but it's the defining value. It is the value in our life. Then they have to see it in, in us. They have to see it in us because if they hear it from us, and they don't see it from us, so that just breeds cynicism. They need to see. They need to see. We need to model for them. We need We need to lead and teach by example. They need to see that, that we are Kovea Itim They need to see that we run to Daven B'Tzibor three times a day, if at all possible. They need to see that we practice Chesed. They need to see how we revere Shabbos. How we don't, how, how, how we don't wait till the last minute to get home one minute before Shabbos. On one's wedding day, so one doesn't time things well. If if the traffic patterns are not unusual, if there's no no tie-up on the cross Bronx on the turnpike, so I'll make it to the wedding hall a minute before the Kabbalah Sponim is supposed to start. No, a wedding day. It's such a such a momentous day, such a special occasion. We're there four hours beforehand. So Shabbos, Shabbos Hamalka, Shabbos Hamalka. It's also the equivalent of, of of a wedding day. Also of a wedding day. And yet here, if we want our children to be Machshav Shabbos, they have to see how much we are Machshav Shabbos. If we want our children to spend their Motzai Shabbosos, their Saturday nights, in a healthy, productive, spiritually uplifting way, then they have to see what we do on Motzai Shabbos. If, if Motzai Shabbos is, is always a, a night out for us, so then that sends a message, a message which is stronger than, than, than anything else, than anything else. It can, it's not going to be offset by, by, by other words, but that example speaks, speaks volumes. The Malava Malka is such a beautiful mitzvah. All mitzvahs are beautiful. But sometimes it's easier to, to, to appreciate. It's easier to tap into. Malava Malka is such a beautiful mitzvah. There's so many stories about the Vilna Gon, about how much he stressed the importance of the mitzvah of, of Malava Malka. So what a beautiful, beautiful family activity for Mosai Shabbos. Sit down with our children to Malava Malka. Sing the Zmiris of the Malava Malka. What a beautiful way to spend the Motzei Shabbos and a beautiful way to be Mechanech, our children, into what that, what that time of Motzei Shabbos is, is intended for. Teaching my example also allows us to communicate to our children not a, a dry and academic form or understanding of Yiddishkeit, but a live and vibrant experience of Yiddishkeit. If, if the teaching is done more through preaching, so then Yiddishkeit comes across, Rahman al-Islam, as something dry and academic. It's a subject in school, you have Gemara, and then you have tests. It's a subject in, in, in school, and it's rules. School has rules, so Shabbos at home has rules. It, it's, it's dry. It's academic. When a person teaches by example, if we teach by example rather than preaching, so then we draw them into an experience of Yiddishkeit. They see, they see, they see how, how, how the parent is focused on Shabbos at the table. They see how the parent is experiencing Kedusha Shabbos and they're drawn into that experience. Rav Shach is, is reported to have said, he was contrasting, I mean, he actually said it with names, but maybe, but maybe, maybe in, in that context it was more important to mention the names. He was contrasting two, two Gedolim, one of whom his son turned out the way he wanted his son to turn out, and the other one did not. And Rav Shach said the difference between the two Gedolim is that one sang Zmiris at the Shabbos table, and the other didn't. Yeah, he sat there with a Sefer. 
and, and he had his nose in the safe for the whole time, but he did, didn't sing Zmiris at the table. His son, he didn't have Nachas from. His son didn't turn out the way he wanted. The other Adam Godel, he also learned at the table. There were also the Vitar at the table, but he sang Zmiris at the Shabbos table. He was, there was an experience, there was an experience of Shabbos, of Torah, of Yiddishkeit, to which the children were exposed and which made an indelible imprint upon their Neshamas. American society seriously underestimates what one can expect of children. It's interesting, if you ask any, any psychologist to sort of delineate stages of development, so everyone will, 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 will mention that there's a stage of adolescence. Stage of adolescence, a very turbulent stage, there's a lot of turmoil, and and you don't really become an adult until, well, some people have delayed adolescence, so when do you become an adult? I don't know, 20 or whenever it is. To the best of my knowledge, if you sort of comb the, the literature of Chazal, looking for stages of life that Chazal delineated, I don't think you find adolescence. You, you certainly find, you, you find that there's a certain break when, do, when does, a, when, when, when does a, a boy have to be instructed in mitzvah sukkah? The Gemara says when he's enot tzorach le'imel. And, and the Gemara tells us that's when he's around six or seven years old. There's a certain shift there. There's a certain, there's a certain independence. He's not as, as, as tied and dependent upon his mother as he was in, until that point. So there's a certain shift there at age six, at age seven. Of course, barabas mitzvah. So then there's a, there's a major, major, major transition. But the Torah recognizes that a, a young woman at age 12, a young man at age 13, is an adult. He's an adult. He's not, 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 a, not a preteen or a young teen that we can't expect anything of, that, that we can't set reasonable standards for. He's an adult. An adult. Just to give maybe certainly not the most important example of it, you know, when one comes to Shul Shabbos and often sees that, that even when even when the, the the father has an appreciation for how he should be dressed in Big Day Shabbos, he's wearing a nice a nice Shabbos suit, a nice Shabbos jacket with a tie, he's he's outfitted the way he should be for Shabbos. But the teens Often one will see, so they'll be there in, in shirt sleeves. Okay, maybe if it's winter time, with a sweater, with casual dress. Well, why can't we ask? The, the child is 13 years old. He has no less of a mitzvah of covered va'onik Shabbos than, than the parents do. My, my sons have, my daughters have no less of a mitzvah of covered va'onik Shabbos. Part of which is to wear proper big day Shabbos. What, we think it's too onerous. It's too onerous to educate our, our, our children that, 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 uh, that the boys should be wearing a suit and a tie on, on, on Shabbos and, and, and that the girls should be wearing, uh, should be wearing uh, Shabbos dresses. And it's too onerous that, that, that they should remain in, in the big day Shabbos for all of Shabbos. American society doesn't give any responsibility to... to children or what the halacha would consider young adults and the price that we pay for not having expectations and not giving responsibility is that it inhibits maturity. The reason we mature, some, we hear stories about how our grandmothers, great-grandmothers, how they got married at young ages, at ages that we can't imagine, uh, we can't imagine getting, getting we can't imagine assuming any adult responsibility for anything. And they were getting married. How is that possible? It wasn't that long ago either. So the, the answer is that when society doesn't have any expectations from children, so that inhibits maturity. And because of that, we mature at a much later age. Because 
in our society doesn't have any expectations from us. We consider it too onerous to, to tell our 13-year-old son to, to come to Shul Shabbos wearing a suit the same way, the same way, uh, the same way his father is. And the mitzvah chinuch says that you can't expect to flip a switch at the bar mitzvah. You can't expect to flip a switch at the bas mitzvah. If we want our children to know upon reaching bar bas mitzvah how you dress on Shabbos, so then the boy's got to be wearing a suit before he's 13 also. It's not so onerous. But we have no sense of what we can ask of children. It's not taxing them. It's not placing a crushing burden on our own children. On the contrary, we retard their, their development and we retard the maturation process by not having expectations and by not setting standards high. If, if you walk into a class and, and, and you have, and, and your expectations are very low, so then you're limiting what the children are going to be able to learn. If you set high, of course you can't set unreal expectations, you can't be unrealistic, but they can be realistically high. And, and we're afraid to, to, to set any, any, any goals. No, he's only 13, 14 years old. We can't, we can't put him in a, we can't put him in a, in a Shabbos suit. That the Pasik says at the beginning of, of Sefer Melochim, when it describes Adoniyahu's rebellion against his father, David HaMelech, so the Pasik tells us, Velo in a remarkable, remarkable indictment, the way the Radak understands the Pasuk, the Pasuk indicts David HaMelech, that David HaMelech spoiled Adoniyahu. Adoniyahu was a spoiled brat. That's, that's what according to the Radak, what the Pasuk is saying. And it was David HaMelech's fault that Adoniyahu turned against his father and rebelled against him. The Pasuk says, was, according to the Radak's understanding, was David HaMelech's fault. Why? Because Lo Atzavo, his father never angered him by confronting him and saying, why did you do that? His father didn't draw any lines. Whatever Adoniyahu wanted to do, he did. And, and got the same... The, 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 the same response from his father. There was never any indication of displeasure when Adonio did something wrong. So ultimately what that resulted in was Adonio said, okay, I can do whatever I want. He, he rebels against, against David HaMelech. It, it's part of our obligation as parents that we need to, we need to draw lines. Given the fact that, that parents are, are wiser and, and, and more mature than their children, so the children won't always appreciate it. In retrospect, they will, but at the time, Bishas Meisa, they don't necessarily appreciate it. So the, the general thrust in parenting is positive reinforcement. The general thrust in parenting is loving and nurturing. Definitely that's the case. But it's, it's virtually, virtually impossible never to encounter a situation where we need to draw lines and where we, where we need to say no to our children. Again, the, the no to our children can be if there's an outing which we think is inappropriate. So we have to say no. The child's going to be upset. Sometimes the no can be we go shopping. We go shopping. And the child wants to, to buy a certain clothing item, but it's very expensive. It doesn't matter whether the money is, 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 is available in the bank. There's a certain message, there's a certain chinuch which we impart by saying it's too expensive. It's inappropriate to spend that much money. Is the child going to be upset at not getting the pair of shoes? Most probably. Most probably. In the long run, there's no question that the child will be grateful. So again, the general, the general thrust, of course, has to be positive reinforcement, love and nurturing, but we can't make the same mistake for which the Novi indicts David HaMelech. Well, one final point, and, and then to conclude, the Gemara in a few places, but at least in, in, in one place in the Masechus Ksuvis comes to mind, talks about the danger of idleness. The Gemara in the Mishnayis and the Gemara in the middle part of Ksuvis detail the mutual uh, obligations that a husband has to a wife and that a wife has to a husband. And then the Gemara says that in, in that context, that even if a woman comes from an affluent family, and when they get married, so she has all kinds of uh, maids that she brings in who can take care of all, the, all of her domestic responsibilities. She can't just be idle. 
she has to be productively occupied even if even if all all the, the, the familial obligations are being attended to because she comes she comes with with, with, with a dowry which uh, even though again she has enough domestic help that she doesn't have to do anything no every person man woman and child has to be productively engaged Chazal were very very concerned about the, the, the danger of, of, of idleness it's very important not only in our own lives but in our, our children's lives children need time to be children they need time to play they need time to relax just as adults do but there's a, there's a line there's a gvul between relaxation and between downtime which is very very important for, for mental health it's very very important to, to maximize one's abilities to have enough, enough relaxation enough recreation but there's a line between relaxation and idleness and we have to make sure that that line n- never gets blurred just in, in conclusion we all remember the famous medrash it's a medrash in, in, in Mishlei when Rabbi Meir is in Shul and Shabbos giving the Shia, giving the Drosha and his two sons die and when he comes home and uh, says to Broya, his wife where are the boys? so she says, let's make Havdalah they make Havdalah he says, Nusa, where are they? she says, let's first, let's eat something they eat something finally, he, he won't uh, he, he won't be distracted anymore so, so where are they? So she says, well first I have a shayla to ask you. What happens if someone deposits something with you and asks you to, to be in charge of, of a trust? And then the person comes and asks for the, for the trust. So what, 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 what are you supposed to do? So Meir says, you return it because it belongs to him. So then she says, well HaKadosh Baruch Hu, children are a trust. HaKadosh Baruch Hu entrusts the children to us. And, and, and Broya tells him, Broya tells him that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted them back. Children are a trust. It, it, it's, it, it's, we're not, it's not for us to rank HaKadosh Baruch Hu's brachos. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's brachos are, 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 are countless and, and we can't rank them. But certainly in terms of our experience, there's not too much that, 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 that equals the brach of children. It's such a wonderful bracha, but it's also a sacred trust. It's a sacred trust that we can, that we can fulfill, but only, only if we're focused on it, and only if we appreciate how sacred that trust is.